show. Brown, a long pass to Pavel Bury in the clear right in. Yeah, it scores! Pavel Bury has won it in overtime. Pavel Bury picked up a perfect pass. Stick handled in the clear. Deep Burden gets the winner at 2.20 of the second overtime. This is the greatest moment in Vancouver Canucks history. Welcome back, GOAT fans, for another episode of GOAT Radio, the greatest of all time podcast show. I'm the big man. Nucci is with us. He's with me in the GOAT Raj here, the Garage Mahal. Thanks for joining me, man, for this wicked pod today and a wicked topic for sure. Yeah, um, this is uh, one I'm very, very excited about. Um, He's come up a lot before uh, in our talks and and in our lives and our daily uh, chats about hockey and sports here in Vancouver. And um, as soon as we, I found out we're going to be talking about him and dedicating a a show to him. uh, There's no better place for me to be right now. Because when do we start this pod? Like uh, January, and it really started to kick off March, April really started to roll. We started to get some athletes in here. And pretty much every week, this guy's name comes up. Complete legend in Van City. And we're going to get into it. But first things first, we got to say what we're wearing. We're going to give some clues away. Yeah, I mean, this will probably give it all away. Um, I got the the skate, the black uh, Canucks skate jersey. Uh, something about it. I mean, it's not a very uh, modern logo. Um, I actually didn't even realize there was a skate in it when I was growing up. <laughs> uh, so, but just something about it, the colors, they pop, they look unreal on the ice when they're wearing them and i um, glad the Canucks have, have brought them back and maybe it's here to stay. Wicked combo. I'm wearing, I'm wearing the 2011 Stanley Cup run jersey. So remember we had that real, yeah. it was that jersey, 94 cup run versus the 2011 cup run. That one. But you know what's weird? 94 won out of this battle, but the 2023 skate jersey, for some reason, people are not really liking it. It's a tad different. Maybe the stripes and the socks or something. I don't know. Yeah, there's they're missing one kind of yeah. ring of uh, on the jersey and the socks. Uh, the white, I think. Yeah. But i don't know it's obviously people maybe just aren't happy because they didn't go exactly right back to it but they got to go a little some different for sure can't just revert back to something they change for a reason and you don't we don't know but um i, I like the direction they're going in yeah all right nucci we got a nice jersey up there uh this one's 96 i think he was better in 10 yeah but you know I, and then beside we got the rock and you know what he used to say I'm going to say it right now. Pavel Bure was the most electrifying man in sports. The most electrifying. Yeah, for sure. The Russian rocket. Completely. I don't know how to describe this guy. And, you know, the fans got a glimpse of him. The first shift. Literally the first shift against the Jets. Like, go fans, if you have time on your hands, just go on YouTube and type in Pavel Bure's first ever shift. This guy was just a step ahead right away. Let's just start from the beginning though. 1989, the Nuxa were just insane detectives. Yeah, one of their one of their scouts did some uh, 
some uh, digging. Mike Penny, I think, was his name. Yeah. There was uh, a rule about uh, certain players only being eligible within the first three rounds of the draft um, unless they had played a certain amount of professional games. So 18-year-olds, unless they had played a certain amount of... I think it was uh, 11. Professional games? In the, the year before? For the, for the Red Army. Okay. He, to, he needed 11 games. Yeah. He only he, had five or something. Yeah. and the, But they found game sheets of him playing some exhibition games and things like that. So the Canucks knew that. Um, and yeah, they snagged him in the sixth round. 113th overall, man. And uh, I think those, I read Edmonton yeah. kind of had the same, uh, they had an idea about him as well. And when the Canucks kind of found out maybe they were going to take him, they snagged him first. And uh, there was appeals by the other teams in the league but uh, they were able to prove um, that he played the, enough games to be drafted later in the draft. And they th- I think they he was under contract with Red Army at the time. They paid like 250 yeah. grand to basically buy him out of that. And he was in Vancouver. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah, that might be one of the like probably best things that Vancouver's done with drafting. And Well, you know, Vancouver, especially back then, it was always, they were always subpar. Is that a word in golf, subpar? No, it's a word. Okay. Yeah, below you know, standard. He really changed the damn franchise. Yeah. Excitement. Like, what made this guy so good? Like, what skills? When I, I'll just say what I think. You know, the speed, when you have that in combination with skill, if when, when, you, when you have the ability to make plays, high-level plays going 150 miles an hour, it's special. Especially 40 years ago. Yeah. 30, you know, 30 something years ago when that wasn't the game, right? Like he was, he could, there's not many guys that played in the, you know, 90s, you know, late 80s, 90s that could jump into today's NHL. He can. And he, you know, he was doing this 30 some years ago and um, he was so far ahead of the game. He blew people's minds. Like you mentioned that first game, Cliff Ronning had a quote about, you know, the whole bench on the Canucks were up standing, watching that first shift of his. He said he's never seen someone skate like that. And yeah. he doesn't even think Burray skated that fast ever again in his career. <laughs> but how that looked on that first shift, it was mind-blowing. And there's also the whole lore about pe- everyone says they were at that game. Yeah. But there's only sixteen, seventeen thousand seats at Pacific Coliseum, <laughs> so not the amount of people that say they're at that game are probably lying. But um, if you were at that game, I can't imagine what that would have been like to see a player like that in in front of your eyes for the first time. Like, and we need to. I just want to highlight his some of his statistics. I mean, it doesn't tell the whole story, but he only played seven hundred two games. 779 points, 437 goals, all right? Back-to-back 60-goal campaigns. Back-to-back Richard trophies. He led the league before, too, before it was called the Rocket Richard also. For sure. Uh, Fifth all-time goals per game, okay? Uh, another, Another cool little thing, in 98 Olympics, he was the Cheds for the team. And the semis, he scored five goals. Yeah, against Finland. And then they got shut out against uh, Hasek, I think, yeah. in, in the in the 
the checks. And then this stat I think is is insanity. I'm going to read out to you. I don't even I don't even get how it how it even worked out in the year. Okay, 2000 season, 2000 and 2001 season, 59 goals. Okay, most in the league, 33 assists, 92 points. Okay. The next person on his team in the Florida Panthers to finish off the season had 37 points. Victor Kozlov, mind you, he had 51 games, but the, the next, the third person had like 36 points or something. It don't make sense. And mm. I think, I don't know, we don't have the stats on the minutes he played, but it had, he probably played, oh man, 30 minutes a night. Probably. And it probably led to some of the, all of his injuries. Or, yeah, he wore down. Or he's just so powerful, his knees couldn't take it. That and also playing in, in that era, um, skating at that speed, if he got taken out like he did a couple times, it's going to yeah, cause damage, right? Cool. You, yeah. The clutch and grab back then. Yeah. For him to... he Everyone says he was soft. You know that? And he wasn't soft. No, he, ste- he, he stepped up for himself at times and... Yeah, he had uh, his buddy there, Gino, kind of helping out yeah. and taking care of him and some other guys on the Canucks. But he... Uh, what about the mother of all elbows? Yeah, Shane, that was... <laughs> in that, I think it was against the Stars. The stars. Churla? Yeah. Wow. Insane blindside elbow to the dome. Oh, I can't... <laughs> if you was... haven't seen that, please Google it. Check that out. How about Bray, Shane Churla, the mother of all elbows, I think yeah. it's... Yeah, it's titled. Um, yeah, no, he stood up for himself. He, back then, you could shadow players. Yeah, there was that term shadowing, where teams had guys that would shadow top players because you could literally stand beside them and hang on to them. Yeah, and ride them for a shift to try and slow them down and shut them down. You can't do that now. Yeah. Like you just can't ride a guy like that and and stand beside him basically and just hold on to him or hook him. So he had to step up for himself at times. He would probably get a full year suspension for that hit if that was today. Ooh, I, I don't even think he got a penalty. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and didn't even get suspended after that. So, yeah, you have to. There's no wimps playing back then. No, I tell you that. And he played through the clutch and grab and all that. And honestly, he victimized um, legendary D men. You give him an inch, he's taking a mile going wide. Beating yeah. you fair and square, like I, the, he also won the Calder. Yeah, the he won the Calder. I forgot about that. Um, he beat out Lidstrom and Amante. And uh, the the cool thing about that was he only played sixty five games. He played. He came into that season, uh, I think, one or two months into the season. Yeah. So pure exhilarating player. And he did a lot himself. Like that yeah. stat with the Florida Panthers. Usually if there's a guy that scores 60 goals, you would think there's someone that set him up for yeah. 40 of them. Could easily get 40 assists. But like you said, the next guy had 37 points total. It just shows how much he was able to create by himself. Just um, totally three, four steps ahead. Yeah. Uh, even nowadays, like, yes, there's unbelievable superstars, McDavid and this and that, but mm-hmm. he, like put McDavid on a team like the Canucks back then or 
even the pa- that Panthers team, like, yeah, I don't know if he if he blows up like that, like, it's yeah. it's crazy, man. And he, you know, p- people trip him too. He has no cup, this and that. Like you said, uh, Vancouver, Florida, little stint in New York. Yeah. Like the dynasties, nineties and two thousand, what Colorado and Detroit. You put him on those teams, he's their best player. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. This guy was. Um, how about some more memorable goals? Well, f- for you, what, what what comes to mind? One that just popped up recently on social media was that uh, stick to her skate to stick goal signature against Boston. It was an yeah. exhibition game. Um, I actually happened to be at that game. Uh, my dad had a restaurant downtown. A client of his offered us offered him two tickets to the game. It was an exhibition game, so he just said, "Hey, you want to go?" So I went to the game with my dad, and um, yeah, I think I was like eight or ten rows up, just inside the blue line when he skated by. It's like one of them, kind of like a, sna- a snapshot. I'd never been that close in a game two to the mm-hmm. to the glass, and I just like I have the snapshot of him skating over the blue line right yeah. right by there and going wide. And um, yeah, I wish I like remember it more vividly, but I was. I don't know, eight years old maybe. How about penalty shot? Calls the ref over. I'm going five hole. Against Ottawa. Beautiful five yeah. hole. And he... Then points at it after. Points at it, looks at the... At the kind ref. of skates by the ref, yeah. looks at him. Yeah. That's gold history right there. Yeah, he's doing that stuff. Yeah. Now these kids are doing it. Now, yeah. Right? Back then it was pretty... Uh, Hockey's always been kind of a don't really show off kind of sport, right? And and he was doing it back when you really didn't want to show off because it was yeah. a tough air to play in. But you had to catch him to get to him, and yeah. not a lot of people could catch him. And you can't forget game seven, round one against Calgary. The double OT winner. Double OT started it all. <laughs> yeah. Right Man, imagine like... There was two line passes back then too. Yeah, and he That's still true. was. That is true. Like imagine you take that away, the clutch and gobble, he would have exploded. Man, it was what a career he, and he had a lore about him too. Okay, mm-hmm. there's all the on ice stuff. He was unbelievable, but a guy coming from Russia, you know, new to the country, um, to North America. Didn't the mafia try to kill him? He had like <laughs> Russian all mob. these Russian ties. Yeah. Um, there's a story I, in, in his book. He went out somewhere. It might have been like an Earl's or something on Broadway. And um, he gave his keys to a, one of his Russian buddies. I was with him. And uh, to go pull it out front. And the guy went down and hit the auto start on it. And the car blew up. So, like, if he hadn't gone, if he hadn't done that and just went in and started his car, like, he... It would have blown up like it's Gonzo's. Um, wow, those, same sort of theme with a bunch of those. Uh, yeah, early Russians, McGillney and and O'Coin was telling a story about there in Detroit one time, and just this Russian dude walked into the room like he said he was like Andre the Giant size, <laughs> and just started like messing around in the room. No one even said, "Hey, what are you doing in here?" or anything. And I uh, just picked up a soccer ball and just like kicked it against the wall, and then. Just like walked out of there, and no one like ever asked a question why that guy was in there or anything. Oh. He had a like some mythical 
lore stuff at that time, man. Yeah. There wasn't social media. There wasn't cameras and everything, right? So there was a lot more stuff going on back then. You know what I loved about him too? Relationship with Gino Ojic. You don't, that doesn't really happen. You, you know, you're the best player on the planet at that time. And you're with a, you're, you're kind of hanging out on and off the ice with a guy that's kind of quiet and seems to have some, you know, some issues. Like, you know, it's just kind of cool though. Cause yeah. he, he looked after him on the ice and, yeah. and I think Pavel took care of him off the ice with, I'm sure, you know, taking care of, uh, dinners and nights out and for sure and things like that but they were uh yeah they were attached at the hip pretty funny uh small town um you know canadian guy with this russian guy that barely speaks english and they were you know they hit it off and totally complete different players one's a superstar one's a the tough guy enforcer and yeah that was a cool little friendship that that they had and i think it continued well on to their you know later in life for sure. And, you know, like I said, start off the pod, 702 games. Think of how much he did in the, that 700 games. Like he has, he's a hall of famer. Yeah. Not many people. I don't know. I don't know any other real player that has that little games is in it. I mean, there's all those guys that Cam did, Neely maybe was kind of like yeah, a similarity and Lindros. Yeah. I know he played around seven sixty games or so, so shows you. The, how this guy was dominant like how he was it was uh and also a lot of those years were like injury riddled like he met yeah. like two seasons he ended up playing 40 something games so he missed yeah it's true full seasons crazy injuries mm -hmm. like but when he was healthy hands down the best player yeah on the ice at all times that's what the thing with Burry is is like what could he have done with a fully healthy career even a yeah. little bit less injuries like um yeah he had those couple years oh like he had the injury then he came back changed his number yeah had a couple off years yes and then switched back to 10 then he leads the league in scoring and it's he was able to just come back from such a, a crazy injury i think he broke his leg mm -hmm. i know he hurt his neck yeah, He's then he played through a neck injury. Multiple knee surgeries. And that's what ended up yeah. ending his career. In New York, there was torn meniscus, had surgery, and then failed uh, physical 2004, I think. And then... Mm -hmm. When I think of New when he, I don't remember much about him in New York, but he, I just remember that goal. It's that kind of one-timer slap shot where he's falling. Yes. That, that's one of the greatest goals uh, for him I, in my book. Yeah, that's a cool goal, man. Very cool. His feet aren't on the ice, and he's hitting a one-timer. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty sweet. Pat Quinn, I guess they think they had a little rift, but at the end of the day, Pat Quinn definitely had his back. Um, I think there's a lot of talk how Pat Quinn, they, they didn't agree, and he eventually sent out. But Don Cherry, I remember watching this clip how he was on Hockey Night in Canada. He was chirping Burray before the 94 playoffs and was saying he's not going to show up for one series. He's he's a quitter. Paquin bursted into the uh, Hockey Night studios and threatened to to punch him out. <laughs> That's awesome. That's wicked. And he went on to light it up that playoffs. Light it up. Paquin and Burray just, they, 
both of them changed the face of the franchise. I mean, Trevor Linden's my boy too. Yeah, he was a leader for sure, but nothing they they wouldn't accomplish any of that without Pavel. I don't think. For sure, brother. Well, I you know what I like. Uh, this is a pretty cool pod. Uh, you know, I think people are gonna listen because when when Pavel Berry's name comes up, it's the guy was there's so much sensational. Like we could sit here. I think because his his career ended so quickly, people talk about him a bit more just because it's like like you said, coulda woulda shoulda. Yeah, and I think he just blew so many people's minds. Mm-hmm. Um, now, like now, we've seen some players since then. Yeah, that are you know electrifying like that. He was really the like the first, I think, electrifying, pull you out of your seat kind of player that was doing. Yeah, that had the moves that people weren't doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the look of frustration on defenders and goalies <laughs> when he had beat three or four guys and then he was going so fast that the goalies couldn't go side to side they were still playing like that weird style of goalie and he he was so far ahead of the game people that did never played hockey um that just were grew up canucks fans or watched the canucks people that i've come across throughout north america in my playing my playing days and oh i'm from vancouver and like oh that Paolo Burry you guys had like he was something special. I was just getting into hockey and I and I saw him playing and for sure. And if you look at his highlights now, um, they're like I said thirty some years ago, twenty five years ago. It's stuff that guys are doing now, and he yeah. was doing it back then with literally guys hanging off of him like water skiing for sure off his back. And um, I wish more of his highlights and stuff were available in high def because it's some pretty grainy footage but sometimes i love when it just pops up uh and something goes viral on throughout all the hockey kind of yeah social media channels and you know you see a goal of his that pops up and you're like you gotta you always gotta share that or repost it well that's what we're gonna do we're gonna be putting some clips out of beret it's gonna be wicked Nucci, thanks for doing this wicked little pod here. We're going to, I think it's cool that we talk about one athlete and kind of, or any icon and just kind of. Yeah. And for us, I mean, obviously being from Vancouver, yeah, we don't have uh, too many other major f- sports franchises. You know, we've had the Canucks and we have MLS now and um, we had the Grizzlies and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, he's the best athlete out of any sports franchise in Vancouver history, I would say. Hands down. Hands down. We've had some good good hockey players come through Vancouver, but man, he's the guy that everyone's just like like I said, any walk of life, they know Pavel Bure and and what he did for hockey in this uh in this city. Too bad it was short lived, but um that's why I think it's even a guy that asked to be traded here is still so Yeah revered right you would think he'd just be hated and everyone would be like screw that guy and but man he was my childhood hero that's why when i got into hockey he was coming through and i think he's a lot of guys like my age our age uh mm-hmm. idol growing up and i think it's cool to to reminisce talk about him and um the canucks and the glory days and uh just going back like it'll be fun to look at some more highlights of his and see what we we post here awesome well said nucci and let's end it with the the great late Pat Quinn. Here's a little quote here. All right. 
So he says, Pavel Bure was and is the best player to ever wear a Canucks uniform. We'll drink to that. Okay, brother? Yes. Cheers. Cheers, brother. Great quote by uh, the late Patty Quinn. Yeah. All righty. This is the greatest of all time podcast show, Goat Radio. We will see you next time from our Goat History. We'll see you later. Ted Settle, Pavel had effectively silenced his critics by stuffing in six goals and four assists in 13 playoff games. goes to Pavel Bure from the Vancouver Canucks. Come on, Canucks, you've got to, got to pull it through. Everyone's behind you with CKNW and Bure Bure. The goat of our ghost. T-O-A-T, uh, radio. Let's move on time, that's a ratio. Time to tune on, welcome to the show. Eh, yeah, gotta let them know. T-O-A-T, whoa. whoa.